0: Hey, Seventh District Fam, this is Pastor Tony Lee of the Community of Hope AME Church, and I am honored and privileged to be able to share with you all uh, today at your God First Virtual Holy Convocation. I'd first like to thank God for the great leadership that you all have there in the 7th. I, I want to lift up uh, a Bishop Sam Green Sr. I, I am so grateful for Bishop Green who has uh, been so supportive to me down through the years and it is always an honor and a privilege uh, to be able to share in some way, shape or form and whatever work Bishop Green is doing because Bishop Green is not a transactional leader, he's a transformational leader. And everywhere he has gone, we've been able to watch him be used by God to help transform those districts, transform those communities. So to Bishop Green, thank you so much. Uh, I do want to also celebrate Supervisor Phyllis N. Green uh, for the work that uh, you are doing down there. God bless you, Supervisor. Uh, To all the presiding elders, to every pastor, to every lay leader, I salute you today as you are virtually still doing the work of the Lord and holding up the Bloodstained Banner. I also do want to send a special shout out uh, to a good brother, uh, to the Reverend. Sam Green, Jr. Thank you, brother, for always assisting me in these kinds of things and really helping me to get this put together and hooked up and really helping to facilitate this whole moment. And for you, I'm grateful. Now, my brothers and my sisters, as you all are are in your Emerge conference, as we are navigating what it means to be at the intersection of pandemic um, and protests. As we are in the midst of a season of disruption, I've come by one uh, to encourage you, uh, but two, uh, to let you that whatever you're dealing with that the Lord can move in the midst of it all won't you let me pray with us as we get started and then let us just kind of move along our journey God in Jesus name we thank you for this day we thank you God for your hand but most of all we thank you for your grace now God speak with power through this your servant and let something God that I share in this moment God be helpful to your people uh, God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart uh, be acceptable in my sight in thy sight. Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. Now, I, I shared to you all that I, I believe that right now we are in the midst of uh, the intersection of a uh, 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 pandemic and protest. We find ourselves sandwiched between pandemic and protest and in the midst of it all trying to figure out how to be able to navigate uh, the church in this kind of a moment. Uh, But I would argue with you, and that's why I'm glad that you all are doing what you're doing today, uh, because it's not just about how to get the church through this moment, but it's about how to get the church to where God would have the church to be. And so as I talk, I want to reflect a little bit out of scripture, reflect a little bit out of literature, reflect a little bit out of what we're hearing in magazines and different areas to be able to help us to move along this journey. Now, we're in the middle of a period of disruption. And the thing about disruption, whether you're looking at the MIT Sloan School or whether you're looking at stuff out of the University of Penn's Wharton School of Business or whether it's the Economist magazine or Forbes magazine all of them talk about and have the subject matter the fact that pandemics usually are periods of great innovation Uh, that down throughout history what you would witness is that pandemics and during times of great tragedy during times of great challenge during pandemics usually are when some great innovations happen technological innovations uh, community innovations artistic innovations and I would dare say that that is also a time in which the church is able to be extremely innovative Uh, I would argue if you you, uh, that the church is built for pandemic. I would argue with you that the Christian church is shaped for a pandemic. Uh, the reality is that if you look at the history of the church down through the ages, it's during pandemics and epidemics when the Christian church shines. It's during these times and these seasons of challenge that the Christian church shines. Why? Because folks don't know us by our praise. Folks don't know us by our buildings. Folks don't know that we are Christians uh, by uh, our, our bank accounts. Folks don't know that we are Christians by the size of our houses, but the scriptures say, and they shall know that we are Christians by what? Our love, And what you will watch down throughout history, whether uh, you see in the second century Tertullian writing about uh, the fact that uh, uh, while the pagan temples would be taking up their money and spending them on all kinds of elaborate celebrations and, and, and elaborate dinners, uh, they talked about the Christian church would take care of not just Christians, but take care of people that weren't even Christians. And they spent uh, their resources taking care of the widows and taking care of the children, taking care of the poor and the helpless and the lost. Uh, that Down throughout the centuries, what you can see uh, is that you can see that churches uh, thrive in the midst of hard times. Churches thrive in the midst of pandemic, because churches are not just because we can show our love, but pandemic allows us to be innovative in the showing of our love. That uh, I showed you that, that we are in the intersection of pandemic and protest, the intersection of pandemic and protest, but at that intersection, in the midst of it all, I thank God that we're also in the season of Pentecost. And if you look at the scriptures, what you will find is when the day of Pentecost came, uh, that the, 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 the Christian church moved in the midst of a disruptive moment, but moved in an innovative fashion. And we are here today because the church knows what to do in the middle of a disruption. And one of the biggest things you need to understand in the midst of a disruption is you need the Holy Ghost. Uh, if you look, it was a time of disruption. It was a time in which folks had killed Jesus. It was a time of disruption. It was a time in which Jesus had done all that he had done. But now Jesus was off the scene. And Jesus had told his disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait on the Holy Spirit. They went to Jerusalem and they got together on one accord. They got together on one the Bible says you all know the story on the day of Pentecost uh, that the Holy Ghost came up in there and and that's amazing to me because what you find is because the Spirit of the Lord came into the building uh, that all of a sudden Peter gave a sermon and all of a sudden thousands joined the church with no sound system with no internet uh, with nothing but but thousands joined the church because he preached a good word and had the power of the Holy Ghost raggedy Peter Peter who had denied Christ raggedy Peter Peter who who had run off raggedy Peter but yet this same Peter moved with power and we saw that in the midst of a disruptive situation here goes Peter and Peter has stepped up on the scene not just that but Peter understood and the early church understood that when the Holy Spirit came the Holy Spirit came to disrupt some stuff and it shifted the way they had to do church and that if you look at it you don't believe me let's watch Peter and John going into the temple in acts Peter and John were going into the temple by the gate called beautiful and there was a lane man on the outside of the temple and Peter and John didn't wait till they got on the inside of the temple to try to give worship or to try to give a sermon or to try to do the work but they dealt with a lame man outside of the temple they weren't inside the four walls but they were outside the four walls and spoke to that gentleman looked at him and grabbed a hold of him and spoke to him and said silver and gold have I none but such as I have I give to you in the name of Jesus the Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and the Bible says that gentleman God up he started shouting and he danced into the temple you see I believe that in this season the work of the Lord is gonna happen outside the temple and the testimony is gonna come running into the temple and when the testimony comes running into the temple then we've got to be ready to handle what the Lord has done outside the temple I I, I get excited when I look at what you all have done down there in the seventh I get excited about what we've been able to do up here in the second that I've seen all the great works that you all are doing taking care of people's needs that you're not inside the temple, you're not inside the four walls, but you're still feeding folks, you're still taking care of folks, you're still out there uh, protesting and trying to bring about change in society. You're doing your work outside of the four walls, and it's bringing a testimony that will follow you back into the temple. But what you've got to make sure of, what we all have to make sure of, is that as we're rushing to get back in, to, to get back to normal, we've got to understand that normal will not be there to greet us. Uh, that we've got to understand as we're rushing back to get in, uh, that we've got to make sure that when we get in, that we are not losing the innovation of the moment outside to then be able to miss the power of the testimony when we get back. Uh, you've got to understand when you look at the scriptures uh, that you saw that when the gentleman ran up inside the, te- inside the temple, ran inside the temple praising. He'd been been lame since he was born. He'd been lame. He was over 40 years old. He'd been lame since birth. And here you have this gentleman in the midst of it all giving God glory. And the Bible says the religious leaders, it says the priests and the temple guard and the Sadducees. As Peter went to start preaching to folks and thousands got saved, locked up Peter and John because it was going against the norm. It was a new move. It was a disruption. But the old school was so caught up in their old ways that they did not want to accept what was happening and therefore because it impacted their power base and their power structure and they locked up Peter and John uh, because they didn't want to handle the disruption. Uh, It's going to be important for us in this season to understand we can't go one, back to church as normal, uh, but two, that we're going to have to let go of some of our perceived power and authority in the church house. that I know that you have been serving on the usher board and serving on door number three for 50 years, uh, but you're not going to be able to hold on to door number three in the way that you did before because this is going to be a season in which we're seeing some folks come in and we're going to have to do it a different kind of a way. Uh, that there are some things that we've learned as we've been on the outside. Uh, that many churches, and I'm not talking about big churches, small churches, I'm talking about all churches, that many of us are having more people pay attention to us now when we have a larger reach and a larger scope now than we had even when we were inside the building. It would be a shame to get back inside the building and forget and leave outside all of those folks that you've been able to reach all this time. But you've got to be able to say what are the lessons that we can learn from this time on the outside that we can take on the inside to be able to be a blessing to God's people. That What are the things that we can learn? And I would dare say that there are some things that you've got to run two in the midst of this season that, that, that one of the things I've come to understand about pandemic and protest is pandemic and protest expose our weaknesses, but also expose our strengths. And so we've got to be able to look at, well, what are the areas that we needed to grow as a church and the pandemic exposed, but also you've got to look at what are the strengths that we learned about ourselves that we can take in with us and we've got to lean into. you've got to lean into your weaknesses and into your strengths and it's not going to be a cookie cutter situation that different churches are going to have to be grappling with different things and have different strengths and have different abilities and you've got to be able to look at what is it that we were good at what is it that we were strong at what is it that God showed us about us in this season that allows us to move forward to be a stronger us in this season you would allow me, uh, th- th- there was a lesson that we learned at Community of Hope, I had an ecclesiological epiphany. Uh, you, you all know ecclesiology is basically the theology of what is the church. It's dealing with kind of what is the church. And i had been preaching and teaching and we had been uh, doing some ecclesiological framing uh, uh, in December and, and in November and it prepared us for this moment. Because one of the things we've been talking with our church about, uh, even before the coronavirus hit, even before the pandemic, is that we said that we don't go to church, that we are the church. And the church is not about the building, but the church is about the people. And so therefore, if we understand that we are the church, then we understand one, how important it is when we do come together, because everybody matters. But we also understand that when we can't come together, that we're still able to handle the work of the Lord, because wherever we go, the church goes Goes with us, that wherever I am, whether it's in my living room, whether it's on my job, whether it's in my community, that I take Christ with me, and as a member of the body of believers, I understand that we don't go to church, that we are the church. But one of the things that we learned really about Community of Hope, and one of the things that we learned was our great strengths, that I knew that we were a church that really was focused on outreach. I knew that we were a church that did a lot of community, but I didn't know how strong and how gifted our teams really were but it was in this season that I realized that God had given us something special. And so even while we had services on Sundays online at 8, 10, and 12, we pre-taped those. We shipped our format and we did a pre-taped service at 8, 10, and 12. But even as we did that, uh, we also, uh, while we had service, we were in service online, we were also in service in community at the same time. And so what we ended up doing was that we would have our services in online at 8, 10, and 12, but we would also be serving groceries at 10 o'clock in community and we would serve 500 boxes of groceries to folks every Sunday morning whether it was groceries or whether it was a surgical mask or whether it was toilet paper but we were giving in community that ended up folding over and we ended up giving on Sundays and as well giving on Tuesdays as well as giving on Fridays that God blessed us and opened up doors for us to just be able to give groceries and so we've given out tens of thousands of boxes of groceries and tens of thousands thousands of hot meals and and tens of thousands of of masks and, and rolls of toilet paper. And God showed me that when we go back, we can't go back to normal and just go back to church. But when we go back, we're gonna to need to go back and still do the same thing. We're gonna have church on Sunday and be giving on Sunday as well. That we'll be doing it at the same time. That it's it shifted our way of thinking because in this season we're having to understand that we've got to lean not into just what we're good at, but we've got to lean into the needs of the people and be able to meet them right where they are. And so we've come to understand that for Community of Hope, uh, that our framework is gonna be different, uh, that the way we have church is going to be different. The way we do things are going to be different because we have to shape it differently because of what God is doing in this new season what is different going to look like for you 7th district what is different going to look like for you that, that i don't know how clear how big your church is or how small your church is i come to believe in this season that it's not about the amount of resources you have but it really is going to depend on the amount of vision you can have that what i've realized in this season is that that, that god has not limited us by our resources but God is limiting us by our ability to dream. And as much as we've been able to dream, that's how much God has been able to provide. Uh, That we wanted to just be able to give out groceries in the beginning, we were paying for all of that. But then God started sending resources and started paying for everything we would buy. Not just that, but then God ended up having the county connect to us. And then they just started paying for groceries and boxes of groceries. And now everything we give has been paid for by somebody else because it was our ability to dream. And so right now we have the team is trying to dream bigger and to dream farther and to dream wider. And, and I've challenged you, Seventh Episcopal District, that as we come out of this, you're gonna have to dream bigger and dream wider and, and, and be able to look at your community and say, what does this community need and how can we be there to meet the needs of community? A, a good example can be the early church. The early church that if you saw, they took care of the widows, they took care of the poor, they took care of the children, they made sure to take care of those who did that. The early church was founded on and shaped around the fact that everybody had a chance and they were taking care of everybody in community. And now is the season for the Christian church to be the center of community again. Now is the season for the Christian church to be the place where folks go to get transformed. But it won't just be for our preaching that we're the center of the church. Because that was never what made us the center of community before. But to be the center of community it means that we are a hope station. It means that we are not just in service, but we are of service. And we are not just a place where you go for service, but we are a service station. In other words, it is a place where folks can get their needs met in this new season. Uh, uh, churches are gonna have to think about what it means to partner with for profit businesses and nonprofits. Nonprofits, for profits, and faith coming together because there's gonna be a need coming out of this pandemic. But for, for jobs to be developed, we're not just going to be able to have workforce development programs where you train people for jobs that aren't there, but we're going to have to shape models with for-profit folks that we can get contracts for jobs that we can then train our people for the jobs we get contracts for. Uh, the, the, see, We are going to have to end up becoming uh, in the business of irrigating deserts. What do you mean, Reverend, irrigating de- deserts? Many of our churches are in the midst of deserts, food deserts and economic deserts and healthcare deserts and employment deserts and, and, and all kinds of deserts. And if you look at our communities, our communities are dealing with all these kinds of deserts. But we're gonna have to be able to irrigate deserts so that life can flow again. That in coming out of this pandemic, you've seen the stats, you've seen the stats around unemployment, and you all know that we are the uh, the, the last hired and the first fired. You've seen the stats around uh, 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 around food insecurity. Uh, that, That every time we're giving out food, that people are lining up three hours ahead of time because people are in need of the basics right now. We've got to be the place that can shape the infrastructure to take care of our folks. We've got to be the place for the the entrepreneurship training. We've got to be the place uh, that is shaping jobs and then training folks for jobs and then getting them in those jobs. We've got to be the place uh, that is helping our community businesses to thrive. We've got to be the place that is starting to prop up our own community because we can't wait for somebody else to do it. But we also have to be the place for organizing and strategizing. That as we're in the midst of pandemic, pandemic. We've also got protests and we've got to be the place where folks can come to organize and strategize about how to impact policy to change our communities. Because the fact of the matter is, I don't care how much we do in trying to help people. If we don't deal with the infrastructure and the structures and the institutions that are continuing to keep our people down under this uh, system of white supremacy and systemic racism, then our people will always be behind the eight ball. But we've got to deal with their current needs. And then we've got to deal with policy issues that end up moving and shaping and grappling with their needs to come and their needs that are for generations. That you all know that this current administration has been doing everything it can to tear things down institutionally. We've got to do whatever we can to shape policy and empower our people to understand policy and to work on policy and to navigate policy to God's honor, to God's glory. That we've got to make sure that we understand that the work we do cannot just be inside the four walls. So we've got to utilize this technology so that we can do Christian education to disciple people outside of the four walls. We've got to be able to disciple people not just around Christian things but around jobs and around activism. And we can utilize our technological platforms to be able to do every single bit of that. And the last thing is this. We've got to make sure that we have a word from the Lord for the people of God. We've got to make sure uh, that we don't take all of this time in trying to get back in and not have a word for this season. One of the great challenges with all uh, uh, of the things that are happening right now, was talking with uh, uh, with Bishop Michael Blue from down there in South Carolina, and one of the things that he said to me in a conversation as we were talking about pandemic and protest, is he said to me, he said, Reverend, that we are in a season in which, uh, in which the protesters want a victory that is not connected to righteousness. It's connected to an idea of fairness, but it's not connected to righteousness and what righteous fairness means. And my brothers and sisters, there needs to be a theology for the movement that we've got to be able to stand on the front lines and to be able to help give guidance to our brothers and our sisters, support to our brothers and sisters, lift up our children and share. There is a word from the Lord. We've got to be able to share a word from the Lord uh, so that uh, the institutions and structures and, and spiritual wickedness in high places comes crumbling down. We have to share a word from the Lord. So as I leave you today, as I move forward and as you all move forward into your sessions, I want to tell you this. Everything we need, you have. Everything we need is in your hands. Everything we need, you have. You can irrigate the deserts. Why? Because I told you, with the intersection of pandemic and protest, but in the middle is Pentecost. In the middle, is the Holy Ghost and if you're in the desert who better to be in the desert than somebody's got rivers of living water flowing up out of their belly that everywhere you stand in those deserts in your community you've got what it takes to bring healing and wholeness to those areas you've got what it takes to bring sustenance to the land you've got what it takes to revive the land when the people of God stand up when the power of the Holy Ghost You can be the disruptive force that shifts the narrative and shifts the game. So 7th Episcopal District, I thank you so much for allowing me to have this time with you. But most of all, I want to let you know, you've got everything you need for this season to go forward. And our churches can be all that God has called them to be. This shall be a season of great growth and revival. All you've got to do is use what you've got to bless the people that are around you. The Holy Ghost is enough for this season. God bless you. I appreciate you. God bless you, Bishop Green. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And I pray that the Lord will use you all in the 7th Episcopal District in historic fashion to God's honor and God's glory. God bless.